Listen, Coach Jackson was not lying. If Corey would have won the race, I don't know that I would be standing here today. Because uh, we were about to get after it. Now, we had a, we had a good time last week, um, just spending time together. Uh, before we go any further today, i got a couple of announcements that I need to make. The first one is this. Paul and Nicole, Pastor Paul, Nicole, will you guys make your way front and center? I've been dreading this all week. Like, I've literally, I've literally been dreading this. Um, man, as a church, one of the, as a pastor, I would say that one of the hardest things to do is, is to lead with an open hand. Uh, one thing that we talk about at our church is this, is that regardless of who's sitting in a chair, regardless of who's serving on the stage, or regardless of who's on paid staff, they're not, they're not our people. They're God's people. And we're called to steward, we're called to serve and to lead with an open-handed mentality. For the past four years, uh, Paul and Nicole have, have served at Multiply faithfully. If y'all cry, I'm going to cry, so lose the tears, all right? But you guys have served faithfully. And what many people don't know is uh, when you guys, what, the story of how you guys came down to interview. Um, so I'm going to share a piece of it. But when they came down to interview, we had a Spartan race that a big group of us, a lot of the pastors from all of our locations, we were all running in the Spartan race. And I was like, Paul and Nicole, y'all can come and hang out if you want to. Well, they're on an interview, so of course they're not going to say no, right? They're like, no, we'll, we'll come, we'll cheer you guys on. I was like, it should take about two hours, you know, it'd be a quick race, it's a sprint, nothing crazy. The problem is, it started raining. And by raining, I mean torrential downpour. It took us three and a half hours to finish the race. They showed up like they were like ready to interview, like nice clothes, nice shoes. They stood in the rain and mud for three and a half hours. I felt like I had to give them the job after that, you know what I'm saying? But, but man, you guys have served for the past four years. We've watched Maddie Joe be born. We've watched Charlotte. Girls start to grow up and, and watch you guys just grow and develop as, as leaders. And uh, Paul and Nicole have an opportunity to move back to Long Island where Nicole's family is from. Church reached out to them um, about two and a half, three weeks ago. And uh, they have a phenomenal opportunity to go serve at a church. And, and the dynamics of this church is they're a little more traditional um, than we are, but they, they're wanting Paul and Nicole to come in to help change some culture and change direction. So here's the cool thing. Everything that they've learned here over the past four years, all the good, all the bad, all the ugly, they get to take it with them and impact another community. So Paul and Nicole, uh, man, from the bottom of my heart, y'all yeah, go ahead and clap for them. You guys can go ahead and come up too. Make your way, yeah, we can move that. Make, make your way in. You know, what, what's funny is, um, is that I, I think that the reason that people clap and the reason they celebrate you guys is because of the impact that you truly have had on this church and this community and on people's lives. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that you'll ever realize the impact that you two have truly had on this side of heaven. I don't think that you'll realize the impact that you've had until, until we're on the other side, until you actually see all the families and, and people that you've impacted. Um, can I get the worship team to kind of come up? Paul and Cole, I'm going to ask you guys to kind of pop down there if you could. We'll break our rule and let people walk off the front of the stage. Uh, but can I get the word? Hey, if you've ever been a part of the worship team in any capacity, man, go ahead and come up front. If you're a part of the media team or ever been a part of the media team, if I can get you guys to come up front. Um, I know you guys at the back, if, if y'all can like leave your post and all that good stuff, then if it still runs and nothing breaks, then come on up. Uh, 
Darren, you can lock the camera in. We'll just leave him right here. You can come up too. Man, we, we believe in honoring people. We believe in, in praying over people. And again, that open-handed mentality is sending them out well. Paul and Nicole, uh, there's two things I want you to do. The first thing I want you to do is look to your left and right. L- look at the team that you've impacted. And then look out into the congregation and look at the people that you've impacted week in and week out. What I love about y'all's spirit is that you're not, um, you don't stand on this stage to say, look at me. You stand on this stage and say, hey, let's look at God together. Um, so, hey, if we could, as a family, could you just extend your hands forward as we pray over them? Lord, thank you so much for, for Paul and Nicole. God, thank you for their willingness to serve. God, thank you for their family. Lord, thank you that, that we were the community that, that got to ride the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. God, thank you for, for the community and the family that, that these two have built. God, we say thank you for Maddie Joe. We say thank you for Charlotte. Lord, we say thank you for the, the opportunity that, that we've had as a church to pour into them. But Lord, right now we send them out. And we say wherever you're calling them, that, that the doors would be open, that as they step into their new role, their new position into a new church, that, Lord, they would begin to build relationships, that their girls would begin to plug into the church, that they would truly be world changers, that everything that they've learned at this church they would take with them and they would impact their next location. Lord, we know that this isn't goodbye. This is, this is just we'll see you later. But we also want to remember that we're all part of the same team. This isn't church versus church. This is for your kingdom and for your glory. So, God, we send them out and we honor them and we say thank you for all that they've done for this community. And everyone said amen and amen. Hey, can we give it up for Paul and Nicole one more time? Make some noise for these guys. We have a gift that we want to send you guys home with. Now, listen. Their last week is not this week. Their last official week is going to be next Sunday, but you'll see them around over the next few weeks as they begin to pack up and and move out. So um, once Paul gives us that that final day of them moving, we're going to make sure that we all get together and celebrate them one more time. A couple of different announcements that I have as well. Um, The next one is this. Uh, I want to celebrate our multipliers, so our volunteers, our people that serve. If you've ever been on the worship team, the media team, you've ever moved pipe and drape, you've ever served in kids, you've ever helped us hold a door, you've ever helped us at an event, you've ever helped us be a part of the prayer team, you've moved some chairs. If you've ever served in any capacity whatsoever, could I have you ask you to stand for just a moment? Like that is, can we give it up for everyone that has, has served as a part of our church? Listen, we, we could not do this thing without you, the impact. You guys may be seated, the impact that you make uh, day in and, and day out. And for those of you who are sitting here like, well, I, I want to serve. I just don't really know how. On the screen, we have a QR code. Uh, by the way, everybody go ahead and pull out your phones. I know you got them. Like, I know you got smartphones. You don't leave the house without them. You wouldn't have been here if you, like, forgot your phone at home. You'd be at home getting it. So everybody, get your phone out because uh, you're going to need it for the service today. But feel free to scan the QR code if you want to be a part of serving. Next thing I got to talk about, make some noise for it. I got to talk about our men's retreat. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, right now we have over 40 guys signed up right after service today. I'm going to ask all of you who are interested or who are going to uh, come to the front three rows at the end of service. I got about a 10 minute meeting just to go over some logistics uh, for that event. Again, that's August the 4th through the 6th. Here's the deal. I look forward to it every single year because it makes me a better friend 
It makes me a better pastor. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better dad. It just makes me a better person. Why? Because I'm engaging with men who are like me. And so that's why we challenge everybody to go. It will make our church better, and I firmly believe it will make our community better after that retreat. So make sure you're signed up for that. Last thing I got to talk about. This one's kind of weird to talk about, to be honest with you. But uh, we have a group text. Um, Oh, y'all put it up already. There we go. Uh, So there's this thing called the Faster Pastor Bus Race. I didn't know what it was. But our Bible study um, that we we meet every Thursday morning at 6.15 at Good Drip Coffee, shameless plug if you're a guy, show up. Um, But in our group text, uh, I I think it was Chaz originally, he said, he was like, hey, how do we get Pastor Zach in this thing? And I pull it up, I'm like, oh, dear God. Like, (laughs) here we go. What are we getting into? So, uh, So evidently, your boy got a bus, and on, what's the date, July 26th, I'm going to be racing against other pastors in the area. Um, here, here's the thing, we got a lot of people in NASCAR and in racing that, that are a part of this church, and, and, and you know, Coach Jackson mentioned, he mentioned uh, that we went to watch Corey last week, um, we're recording this, so I'll kind of be cryptic, but Corey said that uh, we could find the bus that we were going to use, and we were going to make some safety modifications to it, so I might be going a little faster than everybody else, but... But listen, we want to we show up as a church, and, and if any of you guys want to come, let us know. We're going to be grabbing a bunch of tickets. Make sure you scan the QR code there so you can sign up for that. But man, it's just a, another opportunity for us to impact the community and for us to make Jesus known. Uh, for the past two weeks, uh, man, we have been blessed as a church. Uh, Pastor Keith uh, preached two weeks ago, and then Brittany preached last week. And, and, and Coach Jackson wasn't lying. I was literally like pacing around Cracker Barrel like this on my phone, like watching Brittany preach. And Brittany made the comment. She, she said something along the lines like this. She said, when the devil attacks me, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to smile and I'm going to tell him to go back to hell because that's where he belongs. Like literally in the middle of Cracker Barrel, I'm like, let's go. Like, let's get it. Yeah, devil, you go to hell. Like, you know what I mean? People are looking at me like, what in the world is he talking about? But, but I, man, I firmly believe that, and, and man, I just want to say thank you to Brittany for being vulnerable last week, for being open. Thank you, Justin, for allowing her to share part of y'all's story. You guys impacted more lives than you recognize. Um, if you haven't heard that sermon, make sure you go back and listen to that. In the next two weeks, we're going to be wrapping up our Living for More series. Um, and today, I'm going to kind of go back to the beginning a bit and, and talk about four areas of purpose. Because I, I truly believe that if we can find purpose and meaning, then we can make it through anything. One of my favorite authors is Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor. If you've ever been to my house, I have books everywhere. Uh, my wife does not. Alex is like, yes, he does. Uh, my wife doesn't necessarily love the fact that I have books everywhere, but I have bookshelves downstairs that are like built into the wall. Um, I've made every window seal that my wife has allowed me to, uh, to be a bookshelf. So like if you walk up our stairs, there's two windows there. It's like all books in our living room. Um, There's books everywhere in our bedroom. There's a bookshelf. I mean, I've got books everywhere, but here's one of my rules. I have one particular shelf that are like the most meaningful books to me. And my rule is I can put whatever book on there that I can fit, but if a book doesn't fit, then one has to come off. So if I want to put a book on that shelf and it doesn't fit, then I have to remove one. But one of the books that I have on there is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I'm going to reference it a little bit today. And and again, uh, Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor, and he was stripped completely. 
I mean, he, he lost absolutely everything. He was stripped physically. He was stripped mentally. He was stripped emotionally. At one point in reading the book in the first 30 or so pages, he makes the comment that he was separated from his wife and, and he didn't even know if she was alive. As he was working through concentration camp, from concentration camp to concentration camp, he would always have these conversations with his wife, not even knowing if she was alive. And he wrote this. He says, it's very difficult for an outsider to grasp how very little value was placed on human life in camp. The camp inmate was hardened, but possibly became more conscious of this complete disregard of human existence when a convoy of sick men were arranged. The emaciated bodies of the sick were thrown onto two-wheeled carts, which were drawn by prisoners for many miles, often through snowstorms to the next camp. If one of the sick men had died before the cart left, he was thrown on anyway because the list had to be correct. A man counted because he had a prison number. One literally became a number. Dead or alive, that was unimportant. What Frankel recognized being at a Holocaust concentration camp was that many around him died, but he did it. And he began to ask this question, why am I not okay with dying? Why do I have a will to continue forward? And he said they could take everything from him, but they couldn't take his choice on how to respond. I don't know if you've been watching media and, and, and all the social junk that's going on, but here's the reality. As a church, I don't care what happens around us. It's our right to how we will respond. So the question is, how are you responding to life? What Frankel said was he found meaning and purpose. And he said if you find meaning and purpose, that you can make it through absolutely anything. And I'm a firm believer in that. So maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one. Do you find meaning and purpose to make it through? Maybe, maybe you've experienced the loss of a job. Maybe you've experienced challenges in growing your family. Maybe you've experienced or you know someone that's experiencing fighting addictions or they're worried about their future. Again, if you find meaning and purpose, you can make it through absolutely anything. And this morning, I want to talk about four layers of purpose. If you take a look at the will that I have to my right and your left, you'll see kind of four different layers. And the first layer that I want to talk about this morning, again, you have, oh, let me backtrack a little bit because I told you to get your phones out. Make sure you open up a note page, like seriously open up a note page on your phone. Maybe you've got like old school and you've got like a pen or a pencil and this stuff called paper and you can write on that. But make sure you're taking notes this morning because I'm going to be asking you questions uh, throughout this talk or throughout this sermon and I really want you to go back and answer them later. Maybe you can answer some of them right away while you're sitting here, but maybe you need to take some time and, and to think about it later and to write down your true answer. Here's the deal. Be honest with yourself because if you're not honest with yourself, you're not cheating anybody but yourself. So make sure you're honest when you answer these questions. But four layers of purpose. The first layer and what's at the center has to be God. It has to be God. You'll notice that we put the cross in there, but it has to be God. Ask yourself this question. Write it down. Who is at the center of your life? Who or what is at the center of your life? Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. What I know is this, everything flows out of the center of who you are. For example, 
If you're a bitter person, then bitterness will flow out. If you're an angry person, guess what flows out? Anger. If you're a sad person, guess what flows out? Sadness. Now let's flip the coin. If you're a joyful person, joy flows out. If you're a generous person, then generosity flows out. If you're a caring person, then care flows out. You can try to mask who you are, but you can only do it for so long. Why? Because what's at the center of your being inevitably is what flows through you. There's only two possibilities that can be at the center of your life. It's either you or it's Jesus. There's no other options. We try to complicate this thing called life, and it's really not that complicated. Either you are at the center of your life, or Jesus is at the center of your life. Now, you can take on many different forms, because you can take on the form of selfishness. If you have selfishness at the center of your life, guess what flows out? Selfishness. But, but what about this? What if money is at the center of your life? What if your job is at the center of your life? What if your achievements are at the center of your life? What we're seeing in society now is, is many people want to pick and choose what they like from specific religions, and they'll put that at the center of their life, and they'll try to add Jesus to it, opposed to Jesus being the center. So they'll try to put Muhammad at the center. They'll try to put Buddha at the center. They'll try to put some other, uh, some other teaching at the center of their life. But if Jesus isn't at the center of who you are, then nothing else works out. Jesus isn't at the center of who you are, then you'll never reach your full potential. Let me, let me tell you a little secret. I'm a firm believer in this, that the devil doesn't care what's at the center of your life as long as it's not Jesus. You, you can even have good things at the center of your life as long as it's not Jesus. Let me give you a, a couple of examples. The, the devil is okay if you try to put your career at the center of your life. And we'll try to justify it, right? Like, as long as my career is intact, then I can take care of my family. As long as my career is intact, then I can give to the church. As long as I have financial stability, then everything else will fall in place. So let me ask you the question, are you putting your career at the center of your life, or is Jesus at the center of your life? And then we'll say things like this, well, well the devil's okay if I have my family at the center of my life. Now, that one's hard for me. Because I want my family to be close to me. I want to take care of my family. But my family isn't called to be at the center of my life. Jesus is called to be at the center of my life. That, that's hard to wrap our heads around sometimes. What about family? What about fitness? What about success? It doesn't matter. The devil is not concerned with what's at the center of your life as long as it's not Jesus. So ask yourself this question. Have you allowed something other than God to become the center of of your life. What, what, happens, what happens when you skip this layer? What happens when you skip this layer? It's on the screen. You spend an eternity of separation from God. If Jesus isn't at the center of your life, then everything else falls apart. You say, Zach, that's kind of harsh. No, church, that's the Bible. It's the B-I-B-L-E. I didn't write the thing. I just talk about it. If you're upset with how it reads, don't talk to me. Talk to God. I can't change it. And I don't think he wants to. <laughs> but what's at the center of your life? The second layer is the church. Let me ask you this. Let me give you some definitions this morning. Are you part of ecclesia? What is ecclesia? Let's break that word down. Let me define it for you. It's the sacred assembly or the church. See, once we get saved, once we step into a relationship with Jesus, God calls us to step into community with others. 
In the Old Testament and the New Testament, it looks a little different. And if we're not careful, we'll try to separate the two. But I'm a firm believer in what Scripture tells us is what Jesus did on the cross doesn't separate the Old Testament and the New Testament. It actually brings them together. Let me break it down for you. So in the Old Testament, the, the sacred gathering was called the Moed. And it, it stood for or it was defined as an appointed time or place. And one of the first things that God blessed was time. He blessed day. Look at Genesis chapter 2 starting in verse 2. And on the seventh day God finished his work and all that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The Sabbath was called holy. Why? Because God set it apart. He set apart a time and a place to be blessed by God. I'm a firm believer that, that many of us in the church, and not just like our church, but the global church, the reason we don't experience the fullness of God is because we don't take time to rest on the Sabbath. We'll, we'll try to say things like, I just need to get ahead. I know I'm supposed to be off today, and, and I know I'm supposed to go to church, and I know I'm supposed to be a part of community, but, but I'm just going to open up my email real quick. I'm going to try to get ahead. I'm going to try to get ahead of my work week, and God's saying, no, I need you to slow down. I'll take care of all the rest. That was the moed. But, but that, if we're not careful, we can say, oh, pastor, that's the old covenant. That's the, the Old Testament. And, and in the New Testament, the veil was torn. And that's absolutely true. That's facts. But that didn't stop under the new covenant. It was actually expanded. The veil being torn gave us 24-7 access to God. Not in one place, but God said you, you're still called to be part of the sacred assembly. You're still called to be part of the ecclesia, the veil being torn, isn't a substitution for community. It's not a substitution for the church. I hear statements like this all the time. I can find God on the golf course. I, I can find God on the kayak. I can find God when I'm hiking through the woods. I can find God and you can fill in your own blank. Your own blank. And I believe that's true. I believe that you can experience God in many different areas of life, in many different interests in your life, but that should not and cannot substitute community. It can't substitute a gathering place. I don't care how good you think you are, you're not good enough to do it on your own. And here's the problem. I thought that I was good enough for a long time to do it on my own. And I realized the more and more that I'm around people. Why, why do I harp on the men's retreat and the women's retreat? Why do I harp on groups? Why do I harp on all this stuff around community? Because I realize that through scripture, God shows us that community matters. And if we're not a part of the church, if we're not a part of the gathering of the saints, if we're not a part of Ecclesia, if we're not a part of Moed, then we're not fully experiencing everything that God has called us to experience. Listen, I, I come to church, I got the microphone, I'm a pastor, I got to preach, but here's the deal. Me standing up here does not impact me the way it does me walking in the lobby. I really believe that many of you sitting in here, yeah, you, you love the sermon, you love, you, know, you love the worship, you love being in here, but man, what I love is watching you guys talk to each other in the lobby. What I love is the kids running around and hanging out with their friends. What, what I love is us diving into each other's story and learning each other's lives. I could not do this thing on my own, nor do I want to. I'm called to be a part of the church, a part of Ecclesia. So those are the, the first two layers and levels. And, and, and this is what I think. I, I would venture to say, and I'm just throwing some statistics out. I haven't done the research, but I, I'm... 
I'm willing to say that a solid 75% of people who attend church regu- regularly, they probably have Jesus at the center or they try to. And they show up week in and week out because they, they know they need to be a part of the church. But we never move past the second layer. We never fully move into our gift set. So write this question down. Do you know your Ephesians 4 gifting? Do you know your Ephesians 4 gifting? Some of you are like, I ain't even read Ephesians 4. That's fine, I'll read it to you. Ephesians 4, chapter, or Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let me break, let me break that scripture down really quick. What do we see? Christ gave. Why did he give? To equip. Who did he equip? Us. For what reason? To work. He didn't give you a gift so you'd sit on your butt on a Sunday morning in a, in a seat at a church. He gave you a gift to work. Why? To reach the fullness of Christ. How do we do that? Together. That's weird. We just talked about community. It takes us all working together, using our gift to expand the kingdom of God, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. Don't act, don't act like this stuff is weird. Raise your hand if you've ever taken an Enneagram test. See? Y'all don't think that's weird. Raise your hand if you've ever taken like the, uh, a strength finders test or a gift set test. Right? Like, like those things aren't weird. We take them because we want to discover who we are. And this is what I would venture to say. I would venture to say that Ephesians 4, your spiritual gift, is actually the base of all those other gifts. When we can understand who God has called us to be, then we can fully step into every gift that he's placed inside of us. I want to hit these really quick. What happens when you skip over this layer? Well, when you skip over this layer, you don't maximize your God-given gift. This can't be this celebrity culture mentality. You don't come to church like you're watching a Beyonce concert. You don't come to church like you're watching a Metallica concert. You're welcome, Anwar, wherever you are. Uh, <laughs> You don't come to church to just experience something so that you can just sit in your, your seat and kind of go, oh, I'm here, I'll, I'll just experience this, I want to be... No, no, no. You come to church to engage in your gift set, to engage in who God's called you to be. Church is not passive, it has to be active. And for it to be active, you have to move. Too many of us are sitting in our seats on a Sunday morning, not moving. Why do we encourage you to worship? Why do we encourage you to give? Why do we encourage you to serve? It's because God did not create you to be a cog in a machine, but to actively participate. I'm going to tell on myself for a little bit. Um, has anybody watched Free Guy on Netflix? The movie Free Guy? It's a funny movie, all right? Uh, so I, I watched it. It was, it was a good movie. But Ryan Reynolds plays this character where he's a bank teller, and he discovers that he's actually an NPC inside a brutal open world video game. Anybody know what an NPC was? Because I didn't. I had to Google it. I don't play video games that much, but I want to start now. But an NPC is a non-playable character. It's a non-playable character. Everybody that's over the age of 40, I'm like, I'm, I'm teaching you some stuff this morning. <laughs> it's a non-playable character. It's the people, it's the characters inside the video game that make the video game fun. And so you're not running around by yourself. They, they make up everything around you. But, but this, is what, this is what I feel like is happening inside the church. That's how, too many pe- that's how too many people approach Sunday morning. I'm just an NPC. 
I'm just a non-playable character. My story doesn't really matter. I'm just here to fill a seat. My, my story doesn't really matter. I, I'm, just, I'm just here to, you know, check it off the box. It's not true at all. Your story absolutely matters. I want to self-assess. I want to lean into the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go through these fast. So I'm going to talk about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. Again, I told you to pull out your phones, pull out paper. I want you to write these down because I want you to kind of self-assess and try to discover who you are. But what, what does apostolic mean? Because it's, it's a weird word that's been hijacked. But apostolic in, in a modern term is an innovator or an entrepreneur. Ask yourself, is it me? Are you the idea person? Do you love to start new things? Wives, this is how you can uh, understand if your husband's apostolic. They've started uh, 10 projects at your house and only one of them are finished. The other nine are still going. Do you dream about what could be? There's a couple people in this room right now that I know have an apostolic gifting. One of them is, is Jake Norris. I don't know where he is, but I know he's in here. But did he walk out with his kid? He walked out with a kid. Well, I'll talk about him anyway. He's in the lobby. But, but Jake has an apostolic gifting. If you ever talk to Jake for more than five minutes, he has an idea about something. He, he's an idea person. What about the prophetic? The prophetic are seers and reformers. Ask yourself the question, is it me? Do you see what others don't? Do you see and hear God in the things around you? Do you have a burden for what's wrong in the church and in the world? Fellas, this is how you know if your wife or your spouse or your significant other is prophetic. It's called women's intuition. It's a real thing. And it's scary. <laughs> That's where you laugh, church. It's like, ha ha, that was a funny joke. I'll prove it to you. So this past week, I was like, man, I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to take my wife's car. I'm going to take all the car seats out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean it up. So I took it to let somebody else do it and pay somebody else to do it. But, uh, but they cleaned the inside out. They cleaned the outside. Man, it was clean. It was great. We've been talking about getting a, getting a, a bigger car. Uh, we have two girls now. Who would have thunk it that when you have more kids, you have more stuff, right? And you have to, you have to pack it in. So we've been looking for something like a third row seating, a little bigger trunk space. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? I just got the car cleaned. Uh, it's clean on the inside, clean on the outside. There you go. Y'all going to hell. Uh, no, but, but man, I cleaned it up, and I took it, by, I took it by the dealership. And I kid you not, I literally did not tell my wife I was going to do this because she would have expected me to come back with a new car. As soon as I pulled right into the parking lot of the car dealership, this is the text message that I got from my wife. Y'all, we didn't even talk about it. That's called prophetic. It's weird. It's women's intuition. I called her right away. I was like, are you kidding me? Where are you right now? Did you like, you put a camera on the car? Like, are you tracking me? What's going on? How do you know if you have that prophetic gift set? What about evangelistic? It's the gatherer and the storyteller. Ask yourself the question, is it me? Are you the gatherer? Are you the bringer? Are you the recruiter to the cause? Are you the one that is always passionate about something? Is everything always about the gospel? You can kind of self-assess, ask yourself that question. A couple people in the room, man, one of, them, I, one of them that I know, that I know, that I know that it's you is Chaz. Chaz, I watch you at volleyball when I come in, and the way that you meet people where they are through volleyball, through a relational community, absolutely blows my mind. 
two other people in the room, Eric and Aubrey, don't. It's why they're going to plant a church in Hickory. Yesterday, they were out passing out popsicles just to get to know people in Hickory. Like 95 degrees outside. What's the deal? It's through relational community. What about shepherding? Shepherds are caretakers and healers. Ask yourself, is it me? Are you the parent of the group? Are you passionate about hospitality? Do you love opening your house and, and hosting people? Do you regularly see other people's needs before your own? A couple weeks back, it was Megan Oswald's birthday. We put her up on stage, and I asked everyone across the room, if you've ever received a text message, email, phone call, carrier pigeon, anything from Megan, I asked you to stand, and like two-thirds of the church stood up. Why? Because it's who she is. She's a caretaker. Do you look at taking care of People, what about the teachers, your learners and your guides? Ask yourself the question, is it me? Are you hungry to learn? Are you passionate to communicate what you've learned? Do you love to make complicated things simple? Are you energized when other people finally get it? A few people in the room that I know, that I know, that I know are teachers. One of them is Brian King, Chris Hazlitt, John Moyer, Justin Beigel. All, all of these men have taught me something in the last month. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you kind of some examples. Brian does a phenomenal job at doing marriage counseling. He hasn't given us marriage counseling, but, but he takes all of the people that are getting married in this church. We, if they ask me for marriage counseling, I'm going, I don't do it. I'm not good enough, but go to Brian. And Brian does their marriage counseling. Chris, the way that he's impacted our Bible study on Thursday mornings is absolutely phenomenal. John Moyer, they're on vacation today, and Justin, Justin's on a work trip but man, I, we started playing pickleball, and we're playing today after church. And John is a fantastic pickleball player, like phenomenal pickleball player, like oddly good at it. He's oddly good at everything he does. It kind of makes me mad. But, but what I love about John is he will take the time to teach someone who's never played pickleball or played for 15 years and teach them the intricacies of the game and be just as patient with the new person that he is with the older person. And that's, that's what a teacher does. They just lean into people. I had the opportunity to play golf with Justin this past Thursday. I am not a golfer. I like to hit things hard. They don't go straight, all right? But man, Justin took 18 holes in about three hours just to teach me how to play golf. And I was better, not because of my ability, but because of the teacher that I had. There's people sitting in these seats in this room that you have the gift set of teaching that if you lean into that gift set, you can teach uh, other people things that they would never learn without you. But we need all of these in our community. We need the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. What happens if we skip over this layer? If we skip over this layer of, of gift set, then we become a consumer of religion instead of a multiplier of ministry. God didn't call us to be consumers. He called us to be multipliers. As the team comes, by, by a show of hands, just real quick, self-assessment, by a show of hands, as I went through those five, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher, if you basically saw yourself at all in one of those five, would you just slip your hand up for me? All across the room, right? You're like, yeah, you can put those back down. You're like, yeah, yeah, I kind of I saw myself in those. But then we have the fourth layer. So we have God at the center, we have the church, we have the gift sets, then we have the gates. I don't think many Christ followers move to the gates. Now, now here's the deal. These aren't all set in stone, and you could argue for more. You could argue for less. 
And I took these from Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, and, and Lauren Cunningham, who was the founder of Youth with a Mission, and I modified them a bit. They called them seven mountains. I called them seven gates. And, and just as a caveat, they had one of the gates as the church. But I, I put the church here because I, I'm a firm believer that we're all called to be part of the church. And those who are in full-time vocational ministry use their APES gifting full-time in the church. But it's not for people to come watch me act in my gift. I'm called to reveal your gift. What would it look like if you understood your gift set as you walked out the doors of the church? So what's your main gate? Where is God calling you to serve? Man, if you're in the room, some of you, God's calling you to serve in government. Whether that be in law enforcement or, or, or some other area. For many of you, you're working in media. Maybe you're working for a social media company. Maybe you're working for a, a news company, but you're in media. For many others, you're in entertainment. I, I know I mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of NASCAR people in here. You're in entertainment. How are you affecting that gate? What about education? How are you affecting the gate of education? There's many business owners in the room. How are we affecting the gate of business? How are we affecting the gate of health and wellness? Maybe there's a counselor in the room. When I say health, I don't just mean kind of physical health, but what about mental health? How are you impacting that gate? I believe one of the most important gates that we have to stand up for our church at this day and age is family. How do you protect your family? How do you guide your family? How do you lead your family? Stay at home, parent. You are a gatekeeper for, for one of the most influential areas of society, and that's the family. But what if, what if we actually talked about this stuff? What if we didn't act like it was weird? Because you don't act like the Enneagram is weird. Like you meet somebody for the first time, you're like, hey, I'm an eight. Are you a two? No, my name's Zach. <laughs> now, I'm not going to walk up and be like, hey, my name's Apostle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But what if we started talking about this stuff? What if at lunch today, what if before you went to bed tonight, what if you started asking people around you to your left and to your right, somebody that you came with, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, future spouse, I don't know, somebody. What if you ask them, hey, what's your, what's your gift set? What do you think your gift is? What's God placed inside of you? What if you took it a step further and you asked somebody, hey, what's, what's the gate that God's calling you to impact? How would our community actually change? Because when you connect your gift to your gate, you find purpose and you find meaning. Go back to Viktor Frankl. When you find purpose and meaning, you can make it through anything. He wrote this. He said, man's search for meaning is the primary motivation in this life and not to a secondary realization of instinctual drives. Victor says, the way to find meaning in life is by experiencing something. Church, this whole thing is cyclical. This whole thing is cyclical because what you experience is based out of the center of your being. You can't act like something that you're not. Either Jesus is at the center or he's not. What flows out of you is inevitably what's inside of you. So I want to get bold today. Usually I have you close your eyes and bow your heads. But sometimes I think it takes us being bold and it takes us moving to impact the community around us. 
I think there's a few different groups in the room. What we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to come forward if I speak directly to you. I'm not going to force you to come up, but, but I'm going to challenge you to. And I'm going to be coming up here. Because just because I have this thing doesn't mean that I don't need to be right here on the altar too. I need this just as much as y'all do. But if you would say something along the lines of, hey, man, I want, I want to make sure that God is at the center of my life. I want to make sure that God is at the center of my marriage. I want to make sure that God is at the center of everything that I do. I'm going to ask you to come, come up front. I'm going to ask you to start moving. As I'm talking, you can just start moving. Maybe, maybe you're saying, you know what? Zach, I need to get involved in the church more. I know that I know that I know that I need to get involved more. I've been consuming and consuming and consuming, but God's calling me to multiply. God's calling me to serve. And maybe, maybe you're already up here, but maybe you're still sit, sitting down. And maybe you would say something along the lines of, God, would you reveal my gift to me on a deeper level? God, whatever gifts that you've, impla- that you've placed inside of me, maybe, maybe you've called me to be an apostle. Maybe you've called me to be a prophet or an evangelist or a shepherd or a teacher. God, whatever you've placed inside of me, would I understand and learn who you've called me to be? And maybe, maybe you would say, God, God, help me. God, help me impact the gates. God, help me impact the gates of health and business and of government and of media and of entertainment and of education and of family. God, help me to make an impact wherever you've placed me as we step into worship. As a team begins to sing, I'm going to ask you to start to pray. I'm going to ask you to start to worship. If you guys can kind of move out to the, y'all move to the sides. And if y'all can move to the sides, we can get everybody in as close as we can. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship.
to set the stage and we're going to close here in a second. But Frankel's already in a concentration camp and he's already working. He doesn't know where his wife is. He doesn't know if his wife is dead or alive. Everything has been taken from him at this point. And he writes this. He said, another time we were at work in a trench. The dawn was gray around us. Gray was the sky above. Gray the snow and the pale light of dawn. Gray the rags in which my fellow prisoners were clad. And gray their faces. Church, the world may seem gray. It may seem dark. It may seem broken. It may seem like there's no hope. Frankel writes, I was once again conversing silently with my wife. Or perhaps I was struggling to find the reason for my suffering. To find the reason for my slow dying. In a last violent protest against the hopelessness of imminent death, I sensed my spirit piercing through the enveloping gloom. I felt it transcend that hopeless, meaningless world. And from somewhere I heard a victorious yes. In answer to my question of the existence of an ultimate purpose. At that moment, a light was lit in a distant farmhouse which stood on the horizon as if it were painted there. And in the midst of the miserable gray of a dawning morning in Bavaria, et lux in tenebris lucid, which stands for, and the light shineth in the darkness. Church, we're called to be a light that shines in the darkness. There is a hopeless and dying world on the other side of these doors and it's our job regardless of how gray life may seem regardless of how dark life may seem regardless how how broken our world may seem it's our job to be the light in the darkness maybe you're in this room you're saying Zach my own life is dark for just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed remind you of Matthew Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you maybe maybe you're in this room and you need to seek first the kingdom of God maybe you've never fully stepped into a relationship with Jesus and maybe today is your day I mean heck you're already out of your seat you're already standing up I don't have to call you forward you're already up here but what I am going to ask you to do is slip up your hand the count of three, if you're saying, man, I just want to step into a full relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. All across this room, you're saying, Zach, man, I just need to step fully into a relationship with Jesus. You can put those hands right back down. And if we could say this prayer collectively, could we say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for the five people who just stepped into a relationship with Jesus? Listen, the Bible tells us that heaven is rejoicing right now. And if you're one of those five, or, or maybe I didn't see your hand slip up, right, right outside these doors to the left, we have our wide awake and fully alive area. It's a space for us to kind of learn your story, for you to learn our story. And we want to help you walk this journey of following Jesus. We believe that the prayer uh, of stepping into a relationship with Jesus is the most important decision that you could ever make in your entire life. But it's just the beginning. So we want to walk that journey with you. 
Hey, just as a reminder, we have our men's retreat, our awkward clothes right now, okay? We have our men's retreat um, meeting right after service. So fellas, if you can make your way to the front three rows, everyone else, you're free to go. We'll see you next week as we continue to love Jesus and change the world. Thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.